Alt Sports Talk, altsportstalk.com. I just assume Kiss and Mookie. It's a podcast about Star Wars and the New York Mets. And it is a podcast about the Mets and Star Wars. Should be a fun episode as nothing good really happened in either franchise this week. Jason, would you like to talk about the Mets or would you like to talk about Star Wars? (laughs) Um, Well, Star Wars is always, I guess it's true of the Mets too. I mean, Star Wars is always fun, even if, um, you know, you're not necessarily in tune with what's going on right now. There's always the things that made us fans in the first place. And I suppose the same is true of the Mets. So I don't know. We could talk about the 86 Mets. Who knows? <laughs> um, we should talk about the 86 Mets just to go totally tangent. Have you had a chance to see the trailer for Creed 2? No. Oh, I didn't it, see it Creed is. 1 because I'm a bad person. No, you are a bad person. I know it's great. Um, I just haven't ever done it. Creed is wonderful. Creed 2's trailer was one of those films that, or trailers that made me go, I want to see this right now. Uh, looks wonderful. If you had told a younger me that we were going to get a pretty decent Rocky 6, a great Rocky 7, and what looks like a pretty cool Rocky 8, I would have never believed you. Um, but my point on that is I want to reboot the 86 Mets. Um, your, your partner, Greg, already used Amazing Again, so I'm calling it uh, Let's Do It Again or something like that. And, you know, do a typical reboot where Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling come back, but now they're the old sages and they lead us to a championship. What do you think? I like it. I like it. Do we get to use any of our current players? Uh, yeah, they're the you know the young people that uh, it takes crusty old Keith Hernandez to whip them into shape and truly teach them how to win while smoking a cigarette in the dugout while your team's about to lose the World Series. Which you know, if your Keith Hernandez is cool, uh, sorry, drinking a beer, right? And if your Keith Hernandez, that's cool. And if you're not Keith Hernandez, you get killed on social media because you didn't care that your team was about to lose the World Series. I like it. I like it. Haji convinces Keith somehow that the shift actually makes sense. And then like, <laughs> break, so we and then the Mets win because the defenders are in the right place. <laughs> we seem to have stumbled into talking about the Mets first. Uh, I was out of my mind last night with uh, Mickey Calloway's quote that don't worry about the record. And I thought I got off a good line that uh, I know you advanced statistic people don't like pitcher wins, but I didn't realize you didn't care about team wins. <laughs> That, yeah, that's fine. Um, I don't know. I, the truth is, like, I mean, the Mets are terrible right now. I mean, is there? My question is always: Is there anything Mickey Callaway would could say that would make you like feel better about that? I mean, he'd be like, "Here are the players I would execute if I had the if I had the power of, of capital punishment." I mean, you know, I mean, I basically nothing managers say makes any difference unless they're explaining an injury, um, you know, just whatever. It's all kind of noise. <laughs> the Mets are terrible. Uh, Mickey Galloway, I think, you know, has some things to learn as a manager. But, you know, I mean, it's a sideshow because I mean, manager, field managers sort of always are in this era. It, it is a... Ah, shit, Nigeria just scored. I, I know, I, I just now saw everything, that. Um... Now everything sucks. I know. 
Iceland will come back before we're done recording. Uh, it is and it isn't because it's an entertainment product. And I think as a fan, you kind of like when the manager is the avatar of your frustration. And uh, I think as fans, we're getting tired of every night. It, it, it's like Mad Libs Mickey Calloway. So, uh, you know, Jason's a real grinder. He'll give you nine innings every night. He's out there, you know, playing hard. He plays the right way, and he's always there, you know, grinding out at bats, words, words, words. And, you know, uh, uh, 10 games over is now 10 games under. You're 11 and a half back. It, it, it's, it's a disaster, which is a word we use way too often on this podcast. Yeah, it is, but, you know, I mean... You know, there was, uh, they battled and, you know, Terry Collins being outraged and somehow managing to say stinking all the time um, <laughs> instead of something worse. I love that Terry Collins the only manager, the only person I've ever heard who would clearly enunciate, like, the little apostrophe replacing the G. It was just incredible. Like, <laughs> you'd never transcribe a uh, Terry Collins speech with, like, a G at the end of one of those words. Um, yeah, I mean, my point is none of this, I mean, none of this really matters. I mean, if you look at, I'm sure like Yogi Berra, Gil Hodges quotes, I mean, take away their own personal imprimatur, like didn't really mean anything anyway. Um, no, I mean, I don't know if the manager gets like super mad and like yells and screams and then the team wins. I mean, is that a manager win? I just, you know, I don't really get any of it. I mean, you know, the, uh, the in-game decisions are pretty simple these days. I mean, most gut feelings are probably not great ideas. Uh, the roster and playing time is more and more um, determined by the front office. In fact, is something I think you know the Mets would have done better doing more of in the year in recent years. And you know, so I don't know. It's just it's it's entertainment for reporters after the game. I guess it's just, you know, another lost season. Talk of a rebuild when I feel like we just did one. It's just, it's hard. Uh, We've talked about it. I don't think the fan base is going to react well to trading a Jacob deGrom. If that does happen, it just... I don't think we do any of those things, though. This is just more noise. Um, Yeah, I mean, maybe they will. I mean, frankly, it would be insane to change trade Jacob DeGrom or Noah Syndergaard. Like, those are the guys you try to get. Why on earth would you do that? Um, you also, know, will they uh, trade, like, Familia? Sure. Uh, will they trade, like, you know, Cabrera, Frazier? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, those are the guys they should trade at this point. Yeah, I agree on that. And uh, the point on the two pitchers that I saw the other day that was really smart is they have five controllable seasons combined, and... You know, what are you going to trade Jacob DeGrom and hope five years from now you get a Jacob DeGrom back? Uh, You know, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I know pitcher wins are stupid, everybody, but Syndergaard's nowhere near what Toronto got out of R.A. Dickey. And, yeah, the Mets won that trade, but did they? Well, yeah, of course they did. Um, But but did they? Of course they did. What did R.A. Dickey do for Toronto? Um, I don't know. Didn't Toronto go to the playoffs? I don't pay attention to the Blue Jays. Yeah, but I mean, Ari Dickey was basically a high-inning 500 pitcher for Toronto. Um, we could back this up with actual stats, but that'd be cheating. Um, that would be cheating. That's not fun. 
you know, the Mets got a, you know, the Mets in return for him got a bona fide um, top flight catching prospect, got a bona fide, bona fide top flight pitching prospect, and then got a lottery ticket. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I mean, Syndergaard was fairly important in going to a World Series and then going to a, you know, and going to a wild card game the next year. Um, as well as what he might do in the future. Uh, Darno didn't seem to have panned out, but, um, you know, that happens even with top prospects. And the third guy was a lottery ticket who didn't come in. So, you know, that in return for a couple of years of a 500 pitcher, yeah, they absolutely won that trade. That's the kind of trade you do every time. I mean, it's similar to the Giants and Carlos Beltran. And they got back Zach Wheeler. And has Zach Wheeler done a lot? No. Has he done, might he still do a lot? Sure. Did he do far more for the Mets than the uh, Giants got out of Carlos Beltran? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, those are the kind of trades you make. I mean, that's why I wouldn't trade DeGrom or Syndergaard, though, because if you look at the possibilities they have in the remaining time with the Mets, I mean, you know, unless you get, unless you put together the kind of trade, which frankly I don't think exists in baseball anymore, like, why would you do that? But, you know, a guy like Familia who, I mean, closers are made, not born. I mean, you can turn Gazelman into Familia in no time. Um, you know, that's the kind of player you do trade. You absolutely do. Yeah, I, I agree on the latter point. I won't fight you on the uh, Dickey trade. It was just discussing, and I think your case was very well stated. And as we both stare at this Iceland game, uh, I'm now a fan of number six who, I don't know, got injured and now has gone back on the field with his head wrapped. He's tougher than I am. Yeah, he's, but why is his head wrapped like purple? It looks terrible. I mean, <laughs> this is like your out-of-uniform thing. Like, shouldn't that be blue? Like, what's going on, Iceland? Or I'm not an expert in the... the uh, seeping through and make us, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not an expert in these rules on uh, World Cup performance. But uh, this is fun. Let's hope Iceland comes back. Um, on the Mets, uh, you know, I, I kind of just—it's another season where I've let go. I'm, I'm not angry. I watch the Mets just like I always do, whether they're good or bad. It's my soap opera, Gary Keith Ron, etc. But uh, I, I don't really have too much to say about them, you know, other than I could just keep muttering to myself they're eleven and a half back and whatever. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, my. Um you know, I, I think that there's the Mets are either the unluckiest team in baseball, which is possible. Like somebody has to be <laughs> the unluckiest team in baseball, um, or there is something fundamentally wrong with how they handle uh, injuries. Everything. Uh, it will is I mean, specifically injuries, uh, treatment, prevention, recovery time, et cetera, and. You know, if you look at previous years, I mean, that would be, I mean, if I were a detective, like, that's where all my suspicions would land because this keeps happening. And, you know, they they made a big show of overhauling the injury protocols, uh, which doesn't seem to have made a lick of difference. I mean, Ray Ramirez is gone and Mets are still, you know, getting injured, um, not going on the DL, staying on the field, getting more injured. Um, being finally put on the DL after the team playing short, um, now trying to come back too fast and getting injured again. And, you know, this is something that has happened over multiple trainers, over multiple managers, over multiple front offices. So, 
you know, once again, you don't have to be like a deductive genius to guess where the problem is coming from. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, though, when you realize that, dedu- that deduction, you found the person you can't fire and you found the person who essentially is there for a lifetime. And, you know, that's the thing as a Mets fan I try not to think about because, you know, it strongly suggests that the current problem that has um, poleaxed several Mets seasons in recent memory is not going to go away. (laughs) (laughs) That's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's switch over to Star Wars. An interesting week. Um, A couple topics to dive into. I'll start with the fun one first. Um, Jason, have you seen that a fan wants to remake The Last Jedi? I have. Um, Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. Um, My favorite part of that was Ryan Schatz tweeting, please, please, please let this happen with uh, with um, praying hands. yeah, it's funny. I mean, this has been a, a debate in the in the Star Wars community of like. I mean, a lot of people dunked on whoever these guys are um, for the fact that they have a plan that um, is, you know, not to put a fine to find a point on it, completely impossible. Um, but you know, there was a big debate over like, you know, was this the attention they wanted, and was that a bad idea, and should everybody have ignored them? But I don't know. I mean, it was just so just out there. And I mean, the, the incredulity was really incredible. And there was, I, <laughs> you know, some random point I noted Seth Rogen of all people was like interrogating them, asking how this would actually work. Cause you know, from the IP to the budget to, um, yeah, I mean, just how, <laughs> I mean, how, <laughs> Oh my God! I have a million questions. The funny thing that, that I mean to me is, you know, no, these guys are not going to make a two hundred fifty million dollar movie like crowdsourced with real <laughs> producers. And I mean, you know, I mean the actual cast is not available for reasons obvious and tragic. Um, so they'd have some other cast, and then you know, why would Disney give them the VIP, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things. But on the <laughs> other hand, like, you know, drop the pretense and, you know, with a $60,000 budget, you know, remake it with homebrew stuff and your own actors. I mean, that that's the kind of really kind of interesting, fun uh, fan thing that has happened for years in Star Wars and lots of other places. And, you know, that could be really cool. I mean, do that. Just, you know, drop, drop this, this, Hail Mary into some fantasy world and, you know, give it your shot. Like, I mean, why not? That's, you know, that's fandom forever. I mean, I, you know, I somewhat infamously, when I was younger, rewrote Return of the Jedi the way I thought it should have been. Um, you know, that's, I mean, do that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's cool. I mean, do that. But, you know, yeah, but don't, you know, don't pretend that. Well, I just can't even. It's just so, you know, it's, yeah, there's just so much going on that's not going to happen that I just can't. <laughs> Are you familiar with, uh, I'm going to be a little loose with the facts here, but this is on YouTube someplace, uh, the teenagers that made their own shot-for-shot remake of 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they did this like 25 years ago. No. That's oh, awesome. it is wonderful. Again, it's teenagers and whatever technology you had at the near end of the 20th century. And it's really well done. Uh, it's worth checking out. I don't know if you're going to sit there for an hour and a half, but at least watch the first five minutes and how they approach it. It was just some kids who loved the film and decided to make their own version of it. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, that that stuff is great. I mean, it'll, you know, it's entertaining. It's, you know, it can be done out of love. And, I mean, and also, you know, people learn a ton doing that. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many bios of successful directors that start with them, you know, as kids with, you know, little little cameras and just cooking up their own stuff in garages. I and, mean, yeah, go for it. So I had a question um, earlier in the week. I was thinking about you as a writer. Um, maybe I'll address the question more about Jupiter Pirates, where I assume you have a, a little more leeway in where you could choose to go or not. If if there are events you feel passionate about, um, we all know what America was passionate about last week. That's not what the purpose of the podcast. But say you like uh, you're really um, against air pollution and you're pro clean air. Is, is there a temptation to to work that into plots or shoehorn it into plots or make backdoor commentary? Does that creep into work or is the temptation creep in? And like, how do you handle that kind of thing? Um, well, I mean, you know, the word shoehorn is a, is a is a clue. I mean, that's always like your shoe won't fit. You need something artificial to get your your foot in it, um, which you know, to me, just sort of indicates that's not a good idea. Um, I, I find that, you know, kind of deliberate message stuff like that tends to come across really poorly, uh, for readers and it doesn't really work for writers or, you know, well, actually, I mean, I should speak for myself. It doesn't work for me either as a reader or a writer, even if I'm totally on board, uh, with the cause. I mean, what I find, um, happens more is, you know, being a writer is, um, being a writer is about being present in in the world and in your life, and you know you are going to find things that you are concerned about, or passionate about, or worried about, or even just kind of thinking about on some level. Um, will get in there, um, and you know they'll get in there even though you're not necessarily intending it, and they'll you know shape narratives and characters and things like that in some way. And I mean, I think that's a much more natural uh, way to do it in a way that, that tends to yield better stuff. Um, and then, you know, and then I think, you know, then the job is, you know, don't shy from it unless you or your editor uh, figure out that it's, um, you know, that it's, it's hamstringing uh, the story you're trying to tell. Um, you know, for Jupiter Pirates, for instance, that, there's nothing directly about kind of kind of big obvious kind of fundraiser type issues, but I mean there is a whole undercurrent in Jupiter Pirates about uh, gender, about social class, about things like that, which you know isn't anything I put in an outline or thought about deliberately in shaping that series. It just kind of seeped in there because it was on my mind on some level. Um, so I mean, look, every writer is different, but that's the way I approach it. Cool. Um, thank you for that answer. Very insightful, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. 
I'm glad you're here. Otherwise, this is just me reading articles. <laughs> uh, so the, the next section is uh, the big topic in Star Wars fandom this week. Now, I've done this section of the podcast several times in my head, and it winds up me reading articles and you saying, we'll see. Uh, so I'm going to approach it differently. The, the topic out there is possibly, perhaps, maybe, um, Disney, Lucasfilm have changed their approach about the spinoff films. And then my inner Jason reminds me, I've read articles about uh, movies that were supposedly confirmed, and you said, show me where, and I couldn't. So maybe there were going to be some films. Maybe the films were pulled back. Who knows? Um, So just talking around the topic... Um, one thing I saw in one of the many articles about films that may or may not have ever existed or not existed was an idea of a most Eisley movie, which may or may not exist someday or never did or whatever. But just in concept, um, a most Eisley movie, I don't even know what that would mean, but I, my brain went, ooh, that could be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know what it means either. But Yeah, it just fits I mean, a cool setting and I don't of- know. This, to me, is, is the exact peril of talking about, um, I guess, pre-production is the term. Like, talking about, well, that's not even the term. I, yeah, I, I frequently say I know, I know a ton about Star Wars. I know very little about movie making. Um, and when we get into the intersection, I feel, you know, kind of tentative about all such things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, you know, movie ideas within studios, et cetera, I mean, exist at all levels of, um, of points of the development from the movie is committed, it's in pre-production or, you know, in, in actual production maybe, but at which point we usually have heard of it. But, you know, the movie, everything from kind of concept artists working overtime, casting directors trying to find people, et cetera, to, um, you know, their scripts are being working, worked on to people are just brainstorming an idea. And I think in a lot of these industry articles about what's going on within studios, I think those distinctions get lost. Um, and so you can have some breathless account of something that may be, you know, the contents of a whiteboard in a meeting. Um, and, you know, those can be treated the same level of of kind of seriousness and, and criminology as a movie that, you know, is actually where cameras are going to start filming stuff next month. And I think that's where some of these problems come in. I mean, I have no idea if there's a Moss Eisley movie. I don't know what that would mean. But, you know, it's entirely possible that's something that, that you know, has been whiteboarded uh, or something like that. And, you know, if that's the case, I'm sure there are, a huge number of projects that have at least been whiteboarded. But does that mean any of them will become actual motion pictures? I don't know. I mean, who would know? I suspect the people involved don't even know at that point. That's kind of what that level of idea development is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was the same way I felt about I mean, where you're going, like this report that the spinoffs are being rethought or canceled or whatever. I mean, I don't know what that means because I don't know I mean, we are talking about movies that have never been actually announced right, that right. may or may not exist. So, you know, for, do they exist in the first place? I don't know. Um, you know, 
if they do exist, what point did they make? Like, do any of them have scripts? Do do any of them have, you know? And so without knowing any of that stuff, I mean, these, all these discussions become just kind of so nebulous that I, I think as a fan, um, you know, as a person who actually gets to tell Star Wars stories, I mean, this, it's so far ahead of any point at which I'm in any way part of the process that it doesn't matter to me as a working writer. And as a fan, it's so far ahead of any point in the process, you know, that has anything to do with me getting to see the movie that I just, I find all these things are just better to just ignore until you get some kind of, um, you know, until you get something with a little more meat on it. And that's just me. I mean, I know everybody has fun with these things, but, you know, for me at least, I think there's a difference between having fun with an idea and losing your mind about something that may be based on a large number of misconceptions. You know, oh my God, we're not getting the Moss Eisley movie. Well, I don't know. The Moss Eisley movie exists. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and I you're, thought, not, you're not getting a whiteboard. You're not getting a whiteboard bunch of ideas uh, that haven't gotten beyond that. Like, you know, like you're missing a whole ton. Yeah, and I saw an article that you know reminded me, us, everyone, that um, let's say maybe there was a most Eisley movie and a Kenobi movie and a and a Boba Fett movie and a whatever else movie, and that's they all have been canceled. Well, there's still. Definitely in episode nine. There's definitely a new animated series. Um, I think it's definite there's a John Favreau live action series, and there's an announced other trilogy. So multiple well, other, I, yeah. I mean, there's, so yeah, there's a lot, going a lot on. of Star Wars. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and just you know, normal development of projects like this means that you know, stuff gets reprioritized, rethought, uh, etc. That's part of the process. So. I don't know. I just, it, again, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I try very hard not to be the person wagging his finger at people having fun, but where it gets, where I think it gets counterproductive are when people are not having fun and when people are really losing their minds and getting upset about something that may be a complete misconception. And there's always the danger of phrasing. Um, so in Met's articles, the word consider shows up a lot. So, you know, I'm sure the Mets have considered trading Jacob deGrom. Um, I have considered moving to California. I have considered ending my blog. I don't actually do any of these things, but I'm not going to say I've never daydreamed on the train. What would it be like if I moved to California? What would I do? Um, So, yeah, maybe we should make a Kenobi movie. Let's talk about that for 10 minutes. It is a lot different than, okay, we start filming tomorrow, to your point. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's the end of my topics. Um, do you have anything else, or should we go watch Iceland and their exciting comeback that the listeners in the future got to enjoy? Uh, yeah. No, I just hopefully wrapped a book. Um, Ooh, tell me. Uh, a solo Tales from Vandor coming in September. Uh similar to uh, studio fun projects I've done before, like uh, Ray's Survival Guide, Bomber Command, uh, Rose Tico Resistance Fighter, meaning it's written from an in-world perspective and um, tells stories that way. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, it's always, it's always fun to, to 
to get a book finally in the finished category. And uh, but I'm intrigued to have people uh, check this one out. It was a fun narrator to play with, and uh, enjoyed telling some tales people may not see coming in ways that they may not see coming. Um, and cool. uh, yeah, so that's coming out. And actually, I uh, I went and played hooky. Not that I have a formal job, so hooky is fairly easy. But I went and played hooky yesterday and saw solo solo again for the third time and found myself um, really liking it more and more. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, I liked that. I didn't love it. The second time, I liked it a little better, and this time, I really liked it. Which oh, great, yeah, which is interesting. I mean, I just I uh, I love the you're the good guy scene. I think that's just such a terrific character scene and a great scene for Han and um, fits the character at the place he is at that point in the timeline, which I think is always a tricky thing with origin stories. Um, but also, like, just little things I hadn't noticed. Like, I, um, I love they're going through the, the maelstrom, trying to do their shortcut out of Kessel. And, and something I hadn't noticed was just, you know, they're essentially flying through mist and fog, and so you have kind of rain all over the Falcon's uh, windshield, which I hadn't noticed before, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, just a, a movie I really enjoyed even more this time. And, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you're always in danger of kind of um, taking your own reaction to something and, and writing works with it. But, um, you know, I, I suspect this is a movie that will grow in our estimation, uh, which is terrific. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it once, and I loved it. I look forward to seeing it again. Here's an Iceland disaster. Uh, we should have got out yeah, of it when we were younger and happier. Yeah, I know. I don't know anything about soccer, but I know enough to know that was like a total breakdown. Yeah, that was bad. No, I see. <laughs> All right, we'll leave on a down note, much like Empire Strikes Back. Talk to you soon. <laughs> I flew to the carbonite hill.